We're going over the doctrine of eternal security. I think it's very important that we understand what that means. Got a lot of verses in here for you to write down. Need your pen, and I'll give, we'll fill in the blanks as we go. Doctrine of salvation. Eternal security is a term that describes the permanent and eternal assets of salvation. Isn't that great to know? We have eternal security. There's some people that doubt that. Uh, I don't know if you've ever met a free will Baptist. They'll tell you that they believe that you can lose your salvation. And uh, not all of them believe that, but most of them do. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If you can lose it, tell me what sins you can lose it over. Amen. We put a category over these sins. We're going to go right through this, and I want you to see this. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, and we'll look at some verses in just a second with that. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll get started. And let's go ahead right to it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to start in verse number 3. That's one of your filling the blanks at the top. We're going to go over these things that God gives us. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. It says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that, he, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us unto the adoption of, of children by Jesus Christ of him, to Himself, according to the good pleasures of His will, to, his, to the praise of, of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. You know, and when, you, when you look at this, there's, a, there's a, actually, when the three blanks that are in here is God has an intent. First one's intent. The second one is God has a purpose. The third one is God has a plan. Aren't you glad that God has an intent, God has a purpose, and God has a plan? We've already established in previous lessons that Jesus, Jesus shed His blood on the cross for our sins, and without that shed blood, there would be no remission of sins. We needed that cross, we needed that, that shed blood to do that. But this is a very permanent thing, and we'll, we'll look at this. Let's look at, first of all, let's look at the effects of Christ's sacrifice. We can get right into it, the effects of Christ's sac sacrifice. The effects of, Christ, of the sacrifice and shed blood of Jesus Christ are both permanent and all-encompassing. They, they carry everything. There's not a doubt with, with it when you look, and there's a lot of people that we're going to at the very end, if you look at the very bottom section, it's going to be answering opposing arguments. There's some opposing arguments people are going to say, and we're going to look at those scriptures and show you what that means. But the effects of the sacrifice and shed blood of Jesus Christ are permanent and all-encompassing. So the first one is Hebrews chapter 9 and verses 11. These are long, we're not going to read all these. Hebrews chapter 9 verses 11 through 28. It says many different things in that portion of Scripture. I encourage you later to come back for sake of time. We're not going to go through it. But there's some other verses. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 and 6. We, some of you probably know that verse. It says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a, what's the next word? Ransom. Gave himself a ransom for all to be tested in due time. You know, this, this, this sacrifice and, the, and, and blood are all permanent. It's not going to, it doesn't go for a little while. See, because the Old Testament, it was not permanent. But the New Testament's permanent. For the life of me, when I hear people say that they don't, they don't understand that, I, I just don't see where they can get that. I can't find it in scriptures. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. Hebrews chapter 10, and, and I'll read that to you. It says this, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. 
Well, if you lose it, he's going to kind of remember it, right? It's going to come back, come back, and come back. But the Bible says this, and in their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of, uh, of these is, there is no more offering for sin, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And it goes back again to when he was crucified on the cross and he died. What happened? The Holy of Holies was, was, was opened up. You no longer had to be a certain person and a certain time to go to it. We can talk to God. Aren't you thankful you can talk to God? Because if you don't believe that, then, then you're going to believe that you're going to lose your, your, your salvation. We, I, I can't lose my salvation. And we're, we're, I'm going to give you some illustrations in just a second. So let's, figure, let's, let's answer all these B, C, D, and E. All of our sins are atoned for. And if I were you right beside B, C, D, and E, I'd write a little note and I'd say, past, present, and future. Now we understand past and we understand present, but we don't understand a future. God already knows what you're going to do, but all of our sins are atoned for. In the past, present, and future, all of our sins are paid for. Isn't it wonderful when you get a bill and you don't know it, it's due, then all of a sudden they say, hey, you, owe, you owe me some more money. And you say, well, I think I paid it all. When first got married, I got a bill from J.C. Penney. said I owed $102.81. And I said, no, ma'am, no, I went in and I said, no, no, ma'am, I do not owe that. She says, yes, you do, $102.81. So I paid it, and I was just discouraged about it. I said, I know I don't owe this money. It went against my credit report. What J.C. Penney would not tell you is 30 days later, I got a check in the mail for $102.81. I'd overpaid them. Wow, really? They wouldn't fix it on the credit report. But I got a bill and I thought, I just don't understand what's going on. That's over 30 years ago. I'm still bitter about it, amen? <laughs> all right, we got to get over this, okay? All right, here we go. Our sin, all of our sins are paid for. There has to be no more payment. Now watch, here's those three words, past, present, and future. The next, next one, all of our sins are remitted, R-E-M-I-T-T-E-D, from the, from the past, present, and future. This last one is, you're filling in a blank, what would you say? All of our sins are already judged. Past, present, future. God has already judged us, judged them. So you have the effects, but the effects are permanent, and so is the next part, it's permanent. We not only have the effects of Christ's sacrifice, we have the benefits of Christ's sacrifice. We can get more into this as we look at this. The benefits of Christ's sacrifice. So if the effect is already permanent, the benefits are already permanent. It's all inclusive and it's all paid for. So let's look at these and we're going to go through A, B, C, and D and we're going to go a little bit slower through this. The, our condemnation is removed forever. Our condemnation is removed forever. John chapter 5, verse 24, here's what it says. Just write that down and you can look at it in a little bit. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. Now, either you believe that or you don't. And then it says this, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. There's that condemnation. It is, it is already removed forever. 
once you accept Christ as your personal Savior. Letter B, our everlasting life is secured forever. Our everlasting life is secured forever. We just sang a song about the well that shall not run dry. John chapter 4 verse 14 says this, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Can you imagine that? How many of you got some work you're going to do outside this week and all of a sudden you, you realize, hey, I'm thirsty. So you, you know what you do? You go ahead and get some water. I was out in the yard the other day and I was thirsty and, and so I had just used the hose and we have like 200 foot of hose. So I thought, man, I'm going to get something to drink out of that. So I held it up and started drinking it. When I got done, I had a rubber taste in my mouth. That water was tainted from the hose that it went through. But you know what? When we, when we accept Christ, it's going to be forever. And, and, and the waters, the everlasting is secured forever. John 4, 14. It, it also says this, But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. There's that word again. The next verse on this is John chapter 10. And I know we're going through a lot of verses. John chapter 10 Verses 27 through 29, and if you memorize verses, this is a great verse to memorize. It says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. Then it says this, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any, any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I like that first part where it says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. The bishops were over at our house the other day and it was pouring down rain, and I have a dog that's obsessed with um, garbage trucks and mail trucks. And it's the, the fattest dog we have, of course, and, and all of a sudden it starts running down the road and he has to chase it. I can tell you this, it wouldn't have done it with me. Because it knows my voice and it knows what I'll do to they were It was testing Daniel. Ran all the way down the street, almost to the end, about half a mile, would you say? And then it does this thing that's it, it's, it's um, submissive thing it does. What it does is it loses every bone in its body and just falls down. And I would love to have thought getting Daniel's head while he's picking that dog up in the rain from a deadlift, probably weighs 85, 90 pounds, and, and, and she has just got no bones in her. And he's picking her up and he's walking. And I wonder what his brain was thinking. I can tell you this, whenever I say her name, she will listen to me because she knows what I will do. I love her, but she's not going to run and do that. What were you thinking, Daniel? We're in church, amen. <laughs> what? You have a... He called you accidentally. Oh, I'd love to hear that voicemail. All right. And so, so he walks in the rain with a, with, a, with a, I don't know why she chases trash trucks, but she loves trash trucks. But man, that your, your, your animals know your voice. Aren't you thankful that God knows your voice? Then it says this. Now watch how many times it says eternal life. Something about eternal life. It says, and I give unto them eternal life. There's one. Then it says, and they shall never perish. That's another one. Then it says, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I think that's interesting. It says, any man shall pluck them out of the hand. 
Because man tries to figure out God and, and God is who he is and we sometimes can't figure him out. And sometimes people try to twist who God is. Then it says this, My Father which gave them me is greater than all. I love that Jesus said that. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. Then it says, And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. This verse here tells you you're not going to lose it. You're always going to be there. He's, he's always going to be there. The next verse is 1 John chapter 5, <clears throat> verses 12 and 13. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may, what's the next word? Know. You may know. You don't have to question anymore. If you, believe, if you don't believe in eternal security, you're not going to know if you're saved at this time. If you do something wrong and, God come, and Christ comes back, you're gone. You're not going to be able to go if, if this is what you believe. But my Bible tells me that I may know I have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So our, our, our everlasting is secured forever. Letter C. Our relationship to God is sealed forever. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30. It says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Sealed. What does that mean? You ever got a letter in the mail that wasn't sealed? Does that concern you? We were at men's prayer breakfast yesterday, and, and I opened up the milk. I was going to pour the milk into the things, and I noticed the lid wasn't on. First thing I asked, now men don't, just listen to the whole story. I said, did someone open this, 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 um, this milk? And, and Denver said there was a guy at the store that drank a little bit, and he, he, we got a discount on it, and we brought it in. No, that's not what happened. Jim had poured it in his coffee. But I normally would never think this thing was unsealed. But when I opened it, I wanted to find out what was going on, because I wasn't going to drink it. But when I found out that Jim did it, I still didn't drink it, all right? No, we, we've got to understand sealed means something. It's protected. It's protected. So the Bible says this, that we're sealed under the day of redemption. Hebrews chapter, the next blank is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. And I would really encourage you that you highlight these verses in your Bible because these verses will help you with your, with your salvation. Because a lot of times people just, just doubt because they may, maybe had a bad day. You don't understand why you're going through things. But in the end result, you'll figure it out and God will show you at the very end, but you might not know why you're going through it. But Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. That's an interesting verse because if you have him and he's not going to leave you, you're not going to have that fear. You ever been in a situation where you've lost something or you're lost? You have no idea where you're at. But God knows where you're at. He's never left you. And the Bible says in that last part, he says that, that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So we have, the, we have the, our condemnation is removed forever. Our everlasting is secured forever. Number, letter C, our, our, our relationship to God is sealed forever. And, our, and letter D is this, our sanctification is declared forever. 
Our sanctification is declared forever. This is a very simple verse. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says this. By the which will we, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And the last three words say this. Once for all. Once for all. Meaning it's ne- it can't be taken back. It's always there. The, the sanctification is declared forever. And letter E. Our adoption is settled forever. I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of, of studying what an, if anybody's ever adopted a child or done it, but if, if you do it, you'll figure out real quick that that adopted child has more rights than your own child. We had a friend that got a, got a child, and it was amazing when he, he read these things to me. I was like, wow. You can't work them out of certain things. They've got to be in certain things and, and they have more of a right. And here's some verses, Galatians chapter 4 and verses 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of Son. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son unto your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through, through Christ. You know, when, when, I, when you read God's Word, it amazes me how thorough it is. There's nothing that's just haphazard. It's all thorough. He knew exactly. It was almost like he knows everything. I think he does. Because you know what he thought? He thought if I don't do, if this this is not done right and correct and no mistakes, someone's going to pick at it. Some people try to pick at it. But we have a Bible that was so delicate and so strong at the same time. It's delicate for our salvation, but strong for our encouragement. And we've got this and we've got it in front of us and we can just look at it and thank God for it. Our adoption is settled forever. Another verse is 1 John chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 1 and 2. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, so that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth, knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Be- beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when we shall appear, we shall be like Him for we shall see him as he is. Once a person is saved, he will, not, he will not and cannot be cast out. John chapter 6, verse 37. All the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. These are just promises that God goes all the way through it. These are the effects, of, the effects and the benefits. The effects is our sins are atoned for, paid for, remitted, and judged. The benefit of Christ's sacrifice is that our condemnation is removed forever. Our everlasting is securely forever. Our everlasting life. Our relationship to God is sealed forever. Our sanctification is declared forever. Our adoption is settled forever. Now the problem is there's going to be some people out there that are going to say things that are not necessarily biblically true. You've got to know how to combat them. Have you ever talked to anybody that comes and knocks on your door? They know exactly what to say to confuse a lot of people. 
And we've got to, we've got to see what they're saying. And I'm going to give you some things that are, that are written. And I'm going to talk about them a little, little bit. The first one is people say Christ will never leave you, but you can leave Christ. Christ, people will say, Christ will never leave you, but you can leave Christ. That's what people will say. I don't believe that, and I want you to understand that. I'm not putting this down because I believe it, but I want to give you an illustration with this. They, they always argue with this. They overlook the obvious. Who is inside who? You ever thought about that? Who is inside who? Am I inside God when I become a Christian? Or is God inside me? Well, if He's inside me, I can't leave Him. He's always going to be there. You say, well, I know people that are in sin and they've done a lot of things wrong. Yeah. I've always said there's three types of people. And here they are. There are the unsaved. There are the saved that are doing right. And there are the saved that are doing wrong. You know which one's the most miserable one? The saved that are doing wrong. Because the compass is not there. The moral compass is not there. The Holy Spirit is not in them. We, the, over, the, the overlook is very obvious. Christ is inside the believer. The believer is not inside of Christ. Someone might say in this, that um, if you deny Christ, He will deny you. There's a, there's a verse that I want you to write down. Luke chapter 12, and this is what they use against it. Luke chapter 12, verses 8 and 9. Also say unto you, whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man also confess before the angels of God. But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of, of God. And then you'll hear people say, if you deny him, you must not be one of him. Well, there were some people in the Bible that denied him. Didn't Peter deny him? Who was another person that denied Christ? There was, a, there was disciples on the Emmaus Road that, that denied him. Thomas denied him. So when you look at this, this denial, the Pharisees denied Christ not out of fear, but out of disbelief. That's the difference. They refused to put their trust in Christ because they refused His identity as the Son of God. The text is there to rebuke and to rebuke all of, uh, all, of all others is of the same unbelief. The Pharisees were not men who, who once believed in Christ then decided later that they didn't want to believe in Christ. They never believed in Christ and thus they denied Him. There's a man that just came out this week that was a Christian author and he said he's denouncing his Christianity. If I said his name, you'd probably know who he is. He's written many bestsellers. But on the caption of Fox News, it said he is denying his Christianity. Once you get saved, you cannot deny that. You can't release Him. He's there. Come what may, He's there. And some people say, well, if you deny Him, then you'll lose it. This is not what He's talking about in the Scripture. In this Scripture, it's talking about people that didn't ever know Him. Others will oppose the doctrine of eternal security because of other verses. Look, let's look at this other verse. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. And I want to read these to you where you can get this. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come 
if they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put Him to, uh, and put him to an open shame. Here again, it's obvious, this text teaches that a Christian can l- cannot lose his salvation. Because if, he's, if, he's, if it's telling you that, it also believes that salvation never can be regained. This is all about repentance and coming back to Him. That's what these verses are talking about. It's not someone that has been saved and can lose it. It's about someone that just needs to come back to Him. And we all know people like that. Don't doesn't everybody in here go, okay, I know of a person that used to go to church that doesn't go to church anymore because maybe of a sin problem, maybe a person problem. Maybe somebody offended them in a church and they said, I just don't want to go back. And, and, and then we get in that point where someone might deny Christ. He will deny you. That's one of the, the, the um, arguments that people have. What about people who, Christians who deny that Christ is the Son of God? Hmm. What about those people that deny that Christ is the Son of God? The Bible says this. It says... Um, it says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we, when we are dead to sin, live any longer thereof? A lot of people will say that they deny Christ. And the Bible says, The Spirit itself beareth witness that our spirit, that we are the children of God. Our spirit bears its witness. You can't lose your salvation. And, and I can't stress this enough to you that you need to understand that. Because salvation is not an emotion. Aren't you thankful for that? It's funny, all the men are saying amen. The ladies, do you not agree with that? Because I'm telling you right now. There's times when I feel a lot better about my salvation and other times I feel better about it. But I know I can't lose it. Because things happen in your life. When you're going through these trials and tribulations, you say, why in the world am I going through this? Because God's trying to teach you something. It has nothing to do with your salvation. Now, I will tell you, if you're doubting your salvation, you need to get it settled through reassurance and assurance verses in the Bible. But there's a lot of people in here that they, they say, what about Christians who deny Christ as the Son of God? They probably never knew the Son of God. They probably were never Christians. Now, here's one that everybody says. Now, this is what Baptists get nailed for. Because you can't lose your salvation... You can live the way you want to. Wow. You ever heard anybody say that? Okay, I'm going to take a survey in here. How many know somebody that believes they can lose their salvation? I do. Okay. I'm just going to raise your hand real quick. Keep your hand up. Do they live a real godly life? No. The one that I know makes terrible decisions. And you would think, right, I'm thinking this out through. If I think I can lose my salvation, I'm going to toe that line. But they don't. Most of the ones that they, they go back to this part. Hey, if I, if, because you can't lose your salvation, you can live the way you want to. Let me, let me read some verses with this. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Before we get to this, I want to I say this. Because other denominations do not know what to think of Baptists. On one hand... They accuse us of believing that we can live any way we want without the fear of losing our salvation. And I do know some people like that. 
I call them the people that use Christ as just a fire escape. They accept Him, then they move forward, and they never grow in grace. And I know people like that. Do I think they're saved? I don't know. That's between them and God. But I can pillow my head knowing that I'm not going to lose my salvation and I'm not going to live any way I want. On the other, other hand, they accuse us of being legalistic because we take a stand on almost everything. You Baptists, you believe this. You'd be shocked if I put out all the different types of Baptists and what they believe. You ever seen a primitive Baptist? Up north we call them hard-shell Baptists. You know what they are? They're Calvinists. They believe they don't really need a witness because who's ever going to get saved going to get saved anyway. Usually their buildings don't look very clean. They just look very run down because they don't need to do anything. God's going to clean the building. Amen? I mean, you just look at it. I'm telling you, in Indiana, the, the, the primitive Baptists, they, the, the, the buildings look like they're 50 years old. Every one of them. And they're dead. They're dead. They don't have anything going on because they can't tell people to witness to people, invite people to church, do what God wants you to do because you're going to do everything you're going to do anyway and God knows what you're going to do. He's going to save you or not save you. Salvation is very important and we've got to understand that Baptists, we, we need to understand what we believe. In truth, we do not believe that Christians can live any way he want, that we want. God chastisement is sure. Hebrews 12, verses 6 through 8. Now watch these verses. Hebrews 12, verses 6 through 8. For whom the Lord loveth, he lets you do whatever you want. I love being in Walmart when I find out these kids that are with their parents and they get to do whatever they want. I just love being around them. I just want to spend so much time with them. I can't imagine what they're like at home. If a Snickers will keep them quiet, I wonder what they have to give them at home to keep them quiet. And I got a little bone to pick with Walmart. They put all that stuff eye level for kids to see. If they really cared about our kids, they put it up where we could only see it. Amen? Have you ever noticed that candy is in bright wrappers? Can you imagine a, going in a candy bar and it just being black and white? Candy bar. Gum. Gummy bears. Oh, no, that's another thing. Amen? We look at these things and, and they know exactly what they're doing. It says, for whom the Lord loveth, he what? Chasteneth. You that don't have kids in here, you'll understand how much you love a child when you have to spank them. And, and I remember my dad saying this, it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I, I thought, well, you give me that belt and I'll show you who's going to hurt more, more than anything. <laughs> yeah. My dad used to do something that used to drive me crazy. He'd take the belt. I don't know if you guys do this. I would never do this to my child. He'd take the belt, wrap it twice, and he'd hold it together, and he'd pull it like this, and then he'd go, dang, and it'd pop. And all I could see was that going on my leg later. He had a belt that said Wagner, and I want to tell you something. Sometimes I had tattoos backwards on my leg that said black and blue Wagner. Hurt him more than hurt me. Then my child, I had to spank my child. And I understood it. How many of you have seen the picture of Jesus that, that they've made where Jesus is carrying the, the lamb around his neck? But a lot of people, don't, they, they won't tell you this, but a good shepherd, if that lamb will not listen to him, what does, what does a good shepherd do? Now, this sounds terrible. They'll take their back leg and break one of them. Can you imagine that little lamb looking at him going, and, I, and a lamb, oh my word, cute little lamb, snaps it, 
puts it in a, put it, puts it in a stand and holds it and holds it together, and then all of a sudden he wraps it up, and then he puts the lamb right beside him. Because you know what happens? Is the lamb has to secure himself by the shepherd. God will, he'll, he'll, he'll correct us. Watch it. If God is not correcting you when you're, not, when you're doing something wrong, you better be very careful. Because that might mean that you're not doing what you need to do. Because there's a point where God will say, he won't release you, but he won't chasten you anymore because he knows it's not working. Sometimes we have to come to our own demise. The Bible says, in the, continue reading in that verse, it says, if, if, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as, as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteth not? But if ye be without chastisement, wherefore all ye are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. I want to be the son of a king. So that means he's going to protect, he's going to protect me, but he's also going to correct me. So when they say, oh, you can do whatever you want, not me. Not when the Holy Spirit indwells you. He's not going to leave me. He's going to protect me. He's going to, he's going to point me the right direction, just like he does you. And so in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, we can't do whatever we want to do. I've got to admit it. Sometimes I'll wake up Sunday morning and I'll say, Ann, I don't want to go to church. And she'll look at me and say, you have to. You're the pastor. You ever felt that way? I don't say that. Sure think it sometimes. God knows exactly what we need. He's going to correct us. He's going to make us who we need to be. We're not going to lose our salvation. And even if we, if we thought, well, you can, you can lose your salvation. You can do whatever you want. That's not how it works. I mean, just think about how many times that Jesus steps in and calms the storm. He's just wanting us to do what's right. Now look at your last point. Just for a, minute, for a second, just imagine yourself. You're going to battle. You're fighting a battle. And you've got an enemy there. How would you, how would you defend yourself? How would you, what would you do? Now let me throw a little bit more wrench in this. No one in here is this. Don't walk out and say, Pastor said this. If you were Satan... What would you do? What would be your game plan? He's got a game plan, you know. And he's not dumb. He knows what he's doing. Man, if he can talk a third of the angels out, do you not think he has some intelligence to him? Those angels have already seen heaven. I haven't seen heaven. I will see heaven, but I haven't seen heaven. And if he can talk him Ray out of heaven to go where he's at, he's a pretty smart guy. Here's, here's Satan's theory on this, and I, you've probably filled these in already. But what, what is Satan's plan for people? And then I'll explain after I say this. Satan wants all saved people to think they are lost. Because you are neutral, you won't do anything, you won't talk about God because you don't know yourself who, what, what's going on. And Satan wants Christians to be in the mully grubs. I just can't do this. I don't know if God, why God would do this for me. I don't even know about my salvation. And he wants that. The second one is this. Satan wants all unsaved people to think that they are saved. You say, well, that doesn't make any sense. It sure does. You know what he tells them? What Satan tell all the unsaved people? In their mind. What? You're okay. Watch. 
You do more good than you do bad. That is not what God had in store. One sin will get you kicked out of heaven because heaven is, 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 a, is a sinless area. We can't carry sin in there. So he does, he works both sides. He has Christians that, that they don't know what's going on, so they think, I just can't do this. I don't, know, I don't even know about my salvation. He wants you to believe that you're not saved. Does Satan know you're saved? Absolutely he does. And on the other side, he takes the unsaved people and thinks they're okay in their mind they're saved. How many of you have seen that, the movie um, about the rapture? What was the one? What's it called? Left Behind. I think it's a good movie on certain things, but it's unscriptural in certain areas. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's a, a black pastor in it that doesn't get saved. He says he's not saved. Now, I would hope the pastor's read his Bible, but my Bible says if you don't get saved before he comes back, that you'll believe what? The lie. And you will not have an opportunity to get saved if you've heard, heard, heard the gospel before. But people watch those movies and they say, okay, I'll just wait till all these things start happening and all these people disappear and then I'll just believe myself and I'll be okay. First of all, there's bad things in that theory because you don't want to go through the tribulation. You don't even understand, people don't even understand how bad it is. We think it's bad. Now, when Jesus pulls himself out of the, out of the world, do you realize how bad it's going to get? the politicians will probably actually believe what they're saying. That's how bad it's going to get. And there's going to be turmoil. There's, going to be, there's just going to be a mess. That's how Satan works. Satan doesn't want you to have victory. So what does he do? He throws this wrench into to men and say, okay, you can lose your salvation. My Bible says I can't. I can't be plucked out. He'll never leave me. Because if he will leave me, tell me when that is, because I really want to know. And I'm saying that facetiously, but if he's going to leave me next week, I need to know it. There's something about that eternal security, Bernard, that I go, praise God, he's going to be there no matter what I do. And if I do wrong, he's going to correct me. Because that's how God works. How come it is that we get all twisted up in who we are. Jonah. Man had one of the biggest revivals. He could care less about souls. He was only caring about the gourd that God made for him. Now, I don't know about you, but can you imagine walking into heaven and saying, man, I preached a message and thousands of people got saved. Now he walked into heaven and goes, what happened to that gourd? Who made the worm? Because we get all twisted. We get twisted in what we believe. You've got to know what you believe. Time might be coming where you have to stand for what you believe. We live in a great country. I think if we were in China, we'd understand what we believe.